You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-year-plus partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities and solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. There's a variety of ways that this can happen. What it boils down to basically is code injection. That's Marcel Lee. She's a threat researcher at Looking Glass, and today she's discussing her recently published research, Cryptojacking, coming to a server near you. Code injection has been around for a long time. It's nothing new, and there's many different ways to leverage it. But basically, attackers are just able to inject code onto different websites, and it's because there's some vulnerability in that website. It's one of the most common uh, of the OWASP top 10 list. I think it used to be number one. I'm not sure if it's still number one, but yeah, injection is is not a new thing by any stretch. So when we're talking code, are we're talking JavaScript code here? Well, in the case of the uh, CoinHive miner, that one is written in JavaScript. So it depends. I mean, you can write code in anything, right? But uh, the CoinHive miner that seems to be the most popular one right now is is based on JavaScript. So let's just back up a little bit and uh, just give us a definition here. What are we talking about when we say crypto jacking? Um, so crypto jacking, my definition of it is the illegitimate mining of cryptocurrency. 
And it can be done a lot of different ways through a browser, through a mobile app, lots of things. And I say illegitimate because you can certainly have coin mining activity on your website. Like you could run it on uh, CyberWire's website if you wanted to Mm -hmm. um, and just have it as a way to make money. And, And some people even say, oh, well, you know, it's we're doing that instead of ads. So that's just how we're making our our extra dollars. So to me, that's sort of the difference between legitimate and illegitimate. But even if you're running it like intentionally on your website, in my opinion, like ethically speaking, you should still have like an opt in opt out thing for your site visitors, which I have seen Hmm. on some sites just where you can say, sure, I don't mind mining some cryptocurrency for you. Yeah, I remember, you know, years ago, and I think it's still active, um, there was the SETI project, analyzing uh, radio signals from space to try to find intelligent life, and, and they would, uh, you'd give them permission to use your, um, you know, extra processor cycles at night, and everyone was okay with that. It was a little right. different than what we've got today. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. If I had had a charity that, well, I have a lot of charities that I like, but you know, say I, I have a charity that I like and they're doing cryptocurrency mining, then I might be like, okay, sure, I'll just let you mine all night long while I'm sleeping and it's not mm-hmm. impacting you know my use of the computer. But I haven't seen a lot of that, unfortunately. And then I guess that is the point, though, that you are using people's computer resources, which involve you're using electricity, you're using, uh, I suppose there could be wear and tear on the machine by having it run, you know, full full capacity. Um, and you're And these folks generally aren't asking for permission ahead of time. Correct, correct. And it really does make a huge impact on just your CPU usage and and all that sort of thing. Like in the testing that I did, my CPU usage went up 500%, like Mm. pretty much instantly. And and that is a fairly steady and sustained increase. It doesn't drop off until you stop the mining activity. So that can be impactful. And the research I've seen on mobile apps, although I haven't tested it on a mobile device myself, just shows, you know, generally it's it's going to impact those devices even even more from the wear and tear standpoint. Yeah, I, the heat and also uh, it mm-hmm. would really drain your battery quickly, I suspect. Exactly. Like the first testing I did actually was on a laptop and the laptop, I mean, you can hear the, the engines or the fans spin up right away, not right. the engines, <laughs> the fans. Um, and the laptop got so hot so fast that like it was literally burning my legs. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I need to do this at a table or something. It's pretty significant, the uh, impact. Yeah. So so let's run through some of the, the things you discovered, some of the various uh, flavors, I suppose, of crypto jacking. And one of the, the things that you point out in your research is that this isn't just happening in your browser. You found it in some Oracle WebLogic application servers. Yep, that's correct. Um, and that's been fairly widely reported on now. And, and that was basically um, leveraging an input validation vulnerability. So again, it's it's just another injection type thing. That was uh, earlier this year, I think that came out. And then since then, like more recently, not even in my, my research, was the Tesla's cloud, which is a mm. Amazon S3 bucket, not too terribly surprisingly, um, that one uh, was impacted as well. So uh, mining and also some some data loss there, or data leakage. Uh, there's been some government sites that have been hit recently in the uh, UK, the National Health Service. Right. And, uh, also in Australia, they're, they're, I forget which government agency, but they've experienced it too. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's pretty common to see uh, cyber 
attackers or criminals or however you want to refer to it to just basically look for vulnerable sites and and often it doesn't even matter what that site is but in this case you know they're going to want sites with maximum traffic just to increase that that potential for for making some income off of the mining yeah it was interesting in that uk example because it was really a third-party provider um, I believe it was an accessibility plug-in for the websites. Uh, and so the folks who were the, the original hosts of those sites, um, you know, were, were doing all the right things, but it was this third party who got attacked. Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, it's it's through like apps and, and just sort of those side things that are running on a website sometimes that mm-hmm. where that's coming in. I've seen it in also social media like uh, Digimine was uh, getting spread around on social media and, and that would basically infect your uh, your Facebook account hmm. and then spread to your Facebook friends and so on and so forth. So it's interesting because these miners are often part of like another whole kit of things. So it might be mining, it might be stealing passwords, it might be doing all different kinds of things at one time. And what we're seeing is that where is ransomware well, I don't want to say ransomware is on decline because something terrible will like happen tomorrow. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> right. Don't tempt but, fate. <laughs> I know, right? But uh, cryptojacking seems to be definitely on the uptick. Um, like the rig exploit kit, which is traditionally kind of known for ransomware, is now gearing up to do more of the cryptojacking thing. So it's interesting. I think it, it's probably a lot less effort to do cryptojacking than it is to do ransomware just because you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of collecting ransom and so on and so forth. Yeah, I guess there's less infrastructure there, less things you have to support with it having to get the money and and so on and so forth. Also, one of the things that that leaves me scratching my head about cryptojacking, you know, like in your example of having, you know, botnets, for example, doing, doing mining for cryptocurrency, um, I can imagine a, a video camera, you know, mounted on a wall in a warehouse somewhere, and someone takes advantage of that camera to do some crypto mining. And as long as that camera still functions as a camera, no one's going to notice. Right. Um, and so it could just go about, you know, I suppose it would use more electricity, and as we said, it could run hotter and maybe reduce the life of the device and so on. But um, it's not really affecting someone in the way that ransomware is. One of the things that, uh, that that leaves me scratching my head is, why don't these crypto miners, why do they go full out and try to grab all of your processing capability? Why don't they dial it in and say, all right, we're only going to use 25%, because if we only use 25% or 50% or whatever, there's much more likely that we won't be noticed. Right, exactly. And if, that's a good question, and... I think the answer is maybe just not that much thought was put into some of these mm-hmm. um, these miners. But I've definitely seen, like in, in our testing, just looking at you know the traffic, there are settings that you can put in there for like throttling the speed or ah, you know okay. detecting whether it's um, a mobile device or not a mobile device, things like that. So I mean, they are pretty customizable. It's just you know a lot of times people use stuff right out of the box, right? Right. Uh, so to speak. But there's definitely customi- or customization and optimization options. Well, and I suppose, too, that it's possible that they are using those options, and those are the ones that aren't being discovered because they're not right. not, <laughs> not drawing attention to themselves. <laughs> when I initially did my testing, I found over 7,000 sites that were um, 
running coin hive miners, hmm. which is a lot. And just this morning for grins and giggles, I uh, searched again, not specifically for coin hive, but just for any miner activity. And do you want to take a guess at how many sites I found today? So you found 7,000 before. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, gosh. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's go crazy. Let's double it and say 14. Okay. It's actually 40 four zero thousand sites that have some sort of mining activity and there might be a few uh, outliers that aren't really doing that maybe it's just a site that's talking about doing it or whatever Mm -hmm. but um now when you say you you search what what does that entail what how do you do that oh right so um it's nothing magical there's actually a pretty awesome website that i use for this kind of research uh called public www.com and it allows you to basically search source code in websites so oh. it's it's a pretty awesome tool yeah i just put in a little code snippet from that would be actually generic to really any miner yep 40 over forty thousand. wow so in addition to uh to running in browsers um, we're seeing apps show up on the google play store that are miners as well yes yes in fact the one that i saw was actually like a wallpaper app and i always tell people like <laughs> There's always malicious apps, right? And and typically, it seems to be flashlight apps are notoriously bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if there's any flashlight miners out there, but I bet there probably are. And then, yeah, like I said, this wallpaper one. So, you know, you just want some pretty pictures for your background or whatever, and, and you get some uh, mining along with it. So that's, you know, what I would consider like a trojanized app because you're not signing up to mine, most likely when you downloaded that app. So tell me about uh, some of the things you discovered where people were hijacking Wi-Fi hotspots. That was a really interesting thing. And I've actually only seen the one example of it um, that was happened, I think, in Buenos Aires. The attackers were using a tool called Coffee Miner, which is a man-in-the-middle tool. And it basically hijacks when the patrons, in this case a Starbucks, when the patrons try to connect to the Wi-Fi hotspot, it injects this code, and then basically everything that they do that's you know on HTML sites is running the code. So again, I've only seen the one example reported of that, but but the coffee miner tool is is definitely out there. Yeah, and take us through what you discovered with the Zealot malware campaign. Oh, so Zealot um, Zealot is another one that's sort of a, a multi-featured campaign and. Uh, Another company did a lot of research on that, actually, but um, it did a number of things besides the mining, um, and it also leveraged the Eternal Blue, Eternal Synergy exploits, and basically used that and targeted Windows and Linux systems, and could basically um, just send up uh, requests via HTTP on these infected servers. But it did other things, like um, I think that one was also extracting credentials and doing some uh, uh, propagation within the network. So that one I didn't actually study myself. I just read about it. But Yeah, so it's, it's sort of uh, in the bag of malware tricks. Crypto jacking is one of the, one of the things, I guess, one of the common things in these uh, multi-talented uh, kits. Crypto jacking exactly. is becoming a standard tool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's what I was saying before, like with the exploit kits or, or like remote access tools that have sort of a variety of features, if you will. Um, cryptocurrency mining I mean, just appears to be like another thing that's getting thrown into the mix. Right. 
And so what what exactly are you finding just statistically um how bad is this is it, if if a if a crypto miner is running on my on my computer am I likely to notice? Yeah, you are likely to notice because like I was saying before with my own testing the fans will fire up pretty quickly and and you'll if you're happening to be paying attention to your CPU that you will see a a sharp spike in that. It's noticeable, but then again, you know, it's noticeable if you're maybe looking for it. If you're not aware or just not paying that much attention to it, then you might not notice. Or I would say the average person probably isn't going to have the slightest idea that it's mining activity, right? They might just think, oh, I'm streaming a video and it's taking a lot of mm-hmm. energy or whatever. Time to buy a new computer. My- Something <laughs> like <that>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but so, so if you do notice that, what should you do? There's a couple of different things you can do. Uh, what I personally do is use a browser extension that blocks mining activity, and there's quite a few of those out there, and they're available. Like I've seen them for Chrome, Firefox, Microsoft Edge. I think Opera just came out with one as well. Hmm. So it's just something you install in your browser that detects and blocks the activity, um, which is interesting because then you get to see which sites, of course, because it will pop up and say blocking the activity. Also, antivirus might pick it up. That's kind of iffy because there's just so many variables, but I have seen a couple of different antivirus engines that detected some of this activity. And again, it kind of just depends on the vector. What about uh, how they're serving this up through ad networks? Are the folks who are running the ad networks, are they being complicit in this? Um, Well, I can't say whether they're being complicit or not, but I mean, they certainly could be, or they might also just be victims as well, like the... um, the thing that we're talking about with uh, the UK sites, you can inject stuff almost everywhere, right? It just depends on the uh, the level of uh, security and how well that code is written. Um, and again, you know, it's not necessarily done maliciously. It might just be to make money. One site like Pirate Bay, I think most notoriously was serving up uh, the cryptocurrency mining without their user's permission. And it was discovered, but they were like, well, I don't care. So right. you know, they, they just carried on doing it. And so you know, then it becomes one of those things from the user. It's like, well, do I still want to go to Pirate Bay and take that cryptocurrency mining along with it? Maybe I do, maybe I don't. You know, It's kind of a decision that you make. But like I said, most sites, you're not going to see it or know it. I think it's interesting, too, because we saw... Um, I can't remember the site, but like as you mentioned earlier, there was a site that said, you know, if you're running ad blocker, we're going to run cryptocurrency mining in the background. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with this? Um, I guess the, the question for I have for you is, well, if I don't want to see ads, should I be okay with the crypto mining? Is that is it necessarily a deal killer? <laughs> well, I don't really like to see ads or do cryptocurrency. Well, mining. you're right. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. It's sort of a <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I have <laughs> I have a mining blocker and I also have ad blockers. So, um, you know, some sites. I guess if you're, but if you're sympathetic to to uh, the fact that the, that these folks are a business and are trying to make you know trying to de- desperately trying to make money on the web, which is getting harder and harder to do. I, I guess should we have any sympathy for them uh, trying to go at it this way? So I would say it depends. Like for me, it would totally depend on the website, right? Right, So there's different news outlets that, you know, they'll say, oh, we see you're using an ad blocker. Would you please unblock? Because this is how we make our money. I think like the Guardian does that. For them, I might, um, you know, allow those ads and probably the same thing with the mining. 
I mean, chances are I'm not going to be on any one website Mm -hmm. that long that it's really going to make any kind of significant impact. Um, Where you see more of an impact is, you know, say you're streaming media or something and you're mining at the same time. That's that's going to make a big difference. And in fact, even the CoinHive uh, website talks about, you know, in order to optimize your your returns on this, it makes sense to inject it into sites where there's going to be sort of that prolonged connection and communication with the user. Oh, I see. Yeah. And, and is this the sort of thing, like speaking about CoinHive, if, if I decided that I wanted to... Uh, to be someone who profits from you know mining on other people's machines, uh, are these things available as a service? Is this a relatively easy thing for someone to spin up and do? Yes, actually. So plenty of code out there, but I mean I've seen even like um, WordPress plugins where you, if you want to add this functionality to your WordPress site or mm. to somebody's WordPress site, mm-hmm. um, there's lots and lots of. Um, what I would consider pretty much legit things, you know, because like many things in this field, like CoinHive, they've pretty much said, hey, we we built this not ever thinking that it was going to be used maliciously. But, you know, that uh, train has obviously left the station. So um, and it's the same with all the other ones, too, you know. So I'm sure whoever wrote the WordPress plugins is probably like, oh, this is a cool thing. And then it gets reappropriated. Yeah, unintended consequences. <laughs> yes. The cryptocurrency that I'm seeing mostly, which is Monero. And as you know, most people, when they think of cryptocurrency, they think Bitcoin. It's like synonymous in their minds. But there's many, many different cryptocurrencies. And Monero is kind of interesting because it's based on the crypto note, uh, cryptocurrency protocol. And it's very different from Bitcoin in that the wallets are completely private. So whereas with Bitcoin, you can look up a wallet address and see all the transactions. You can't do that with Monero. It's Mm. just completely different algorithm. So we're definitely seeing a sort of an increase of usage with cyber criminal activity because of that. And I would say that uh, personally to me, I've seen where Monero has really spiked or jumped up in value over the past few months, um, CoinHive came out, I think, around September of last year. And since then, Monero has gone from like 100 something to it's like at 300 today. So it's gone up quite a bit. It might be a good investment. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. You're not technically a financial advisor, so listeners should not uh, take exactly. financial advice. Right. So it's the it's the, the coin of choice because it provides that anonymity that uh, Bitcoin does not. Exactly. Our thanks to Marcel Lee for joining us. You can read her complete report, Cryptojacking, coming soon to a server near you on the Looking Glass website. It's in their blog section. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. 
confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose SixthSense, visit SixthSense.com. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.